1: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind, so when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here.
0: Uh -uh, uh -uh -uh, In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they thing you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu from Blue Wire Podcast.
1: What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. We took a little bit of time off, if you can call it that. We're still bringing you two shows this week. You guys just didn't get a show on Monday, but don't worry, plenty of content coming your way still from us two. This episode, we're talking boxing and MMA. It was a big weekend in boxing. You might have heard, Mike Tyson came back. And we'll talk about a certain bet that I may or may not have won or lost. So don't don't worry about it. We'll get to that later. The biggest thing that happened this weekend wasn't Nate Robinson, it wasn't Tyson. It was the old man and his book. Dre, congrats, the book dropped. Thanks, man.
2: I'm happy that it-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love the promo tour. You're getting plenty of the love. I obviously ordered my copy, read it. Incredible. I expected that. I would say this. Your writings and the book itself is a classic. The album still is not. Oh, but it. I feel like you should feel good about that.
2: Yeah, cut it out. That was a classic. But that's not what matters. What matters is what I wrote, and then I guess people liked it. I see it feels like. So, uh, yeah, man. It's it's out. It's a good thing it's out. I've done some interviews about it, uh, plotting the next thing. And if you haven't bought it yet, uh, please do so, because I took some time to write that shit, and I want you to spend your money on it. So there's no other reason than that, because it's just, I never wrote it. <laughs> dog I never thought I'd have something written it's weird though because I don't really look at it like a book I don't know how to explain it because it's a book deal and to be completely clear uh, it's a book deal that pays more than most book deals where people write like 500 pages but that being said I'm glad it's out I'm glad that people are reacting positively to it and uh, now I just gotta figure out what's next shit that's the next thing I'm already onto the next one. I had dog, I had anxiety the night before. Like I couldn't sleep. <laughs> because I was just waiting for people to be like, yo, this sucks. Get this shit out of here. I spent ten dollars on your bullshit and I'm never gonna do it again. Fortunately that hasn't been the case. So yeah, man. It's uh plotting and scheming what's next. <laughs> You're the weirdest person when it comes to releasing content.
1: And it's funny, because I get to see a lot of this behind-the-scenes group chat, texting with you. Like, our listeners don't get to see this side of you. But you are the worst when it comes to putting out content. Because I'll be like, yo, it's dope. And you'll just be sweating bullets. You'll you'll text me, be like, yo, I forgot to do this. Like, no one knows this besides
2: you. And it'll bug you for like a week. I've got a problem, man. I've got a problem. When it comes (laughs) to this, like, I am not a perfectionist in a lot of things and me and my wife talk about this all the time like there's shit like you know if I miss a spot cleaning up I'm like all right whatever and I'll just move on but when it comes to like my writing and um covering content and interviewing subjects and doing research if I miss something boy I beat myself up and uh yeah now you guys know that, you shouldn't because that means I'm vulnerable to you and I don't want to be vulnerable to you cuz I don't like to share my shit with the world. But last here we are. Um <laughs> so be it. like like I said, man, it was it was getting that content, getting that piece out there. Um it was like a weight off my shoulders. And now that it's done, it's hard for me to look back on it. I'm already like, "All right, what are we doing next?" And I've been on like phone calls all day about what's next. So Stay tuned, cause some shit's coming. I just don't can't tell y'all what it is yet.
1: I know everyone's gonna hit you up and be like, "It better be that Vegas book slash movie, something."
2: Yeah, it ain't that. I'm not. It's, it's weird because I don't even know how to sell that idea. To be honest with people, like I've been trying to figure this out. Like, do people really want to read about this shit? And then y'all be like, "Yeah," but I don't know, man. Cause even if I try to explain it to somebody. It doesn't sound like anything that's interesting. Like, if somebody was, like, you know, what an elevator pitch is. Like, if we're in an elevator and I got, like, 14 floors to tell you my idea, if I just tell you, yeah, it's about growing up in Vegas in the 90s, people would just be like, so? But then if I tell you the stories, and it's like, oh, there's some comedy there. There's some value in that. But I haven't it's, figured out how to just whittle this down to a pitch. It's like the wood, but in series form. yeah yeah, I guess that's one way to put it, but still, like people are like, "Well, what's the big deal? until I explain it to them, they don't really get it. So oh, yeah, it's it's one of those like
1: the characters would make the show. Again, your grandma would be the best character on the show. You explain to people be like, yo, I'm like a young black kid, super into like really black shit. like I, I'm the head of like the black coalition, and my grandma's this little old semi-racist Italian woman. They're like, what? Yeah, oh, by the way, she has a gambling habit. It's like, huh? They're like, yeah, plus my pops is quite interesting. We're like, oh, really? Like, yeah, we lived in this place called Crack Alley. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? And then um, you got a hook. <laughs> it's, it's all in the character development.
2: There's, there's one very, very integral part of that story that y'all will not know until I finish writing this. I can't tell y'all. Like I I just literally can't. And it sucks because I'm telling you things that you can't know and then all it means (laughs) is you're getting upset because you're like, well, why can't you tell us? Kelly, you don't know it. Nobody knows this. The only person that knows this is my wife. And yeah, I can't can't tell y'all until I write it. So there's one very important nugget about this story that (laughs) nobody's gonna know. So yeah, sorry guys, we'll just have to wait. Maybe it'll oh. come out Maybe it won't Maybe I'll just die With the shit I don't know Did your wife
1: ever Cause I think you guys Like went to prom Right Yeah Had she ever been To your crib Like by Valley Like the old No Crazy looking crib <laughs> No No
2: no no no, no. <laughs> She knows where it is Because she had a friend Who was there Who was a prostitute And oh, um Interesting well, I yeah. Mean, yeah It's Crack Alley It's Crack Alley What do you expect okay. So yeah. like she had a friend But the funny thing is Like we didn't really Talk in high school like i went to her senior prom she's younger than me i came back from college and met her when i was gone and went to her prom oh okay yeah so in high school like she was there i was there we just didn't talk green um, valley high school she went to my wife went to three high schools um yeah, how was this? yeah. my wife has an interesting story as well uh, <laughs> like my wife uh is yeah she's very smart like you know i've told you, like she's finishing up law school she's she puts me to shame like as much as y'all be like oh Dre is accomplished no i'm not my wife my wife my wife bought her first house when she was like 17 she's like she's amazing so yeah she Look but at that black love on the podcast yeah so again man sorry guys yeah there's a story about growing up in vegas would be loosely based on my life but there's one part of that story that when y'all see it if you would ever see it you would know it and be like oh that's what he's talking about <laughs>
1: My favorite part of this story, just us talking to open up the show, is that it's the epitome of Vegas, right? Like, in a microcosm, is that you're like, my wife is so accomplished. She's seven, you know, at 17, had her own house. But you started off that story with, oh, yeah, she had a friend over there. She was a prostitute. And that is Vegas, where you could be, like, the most accomplished person, but everyone knows someone who's either on drugs, has a gambling habit, or a prostitute. Totally. And it'll just be your friend. Like, you just, Vegas is a weird-ass place like that.
2: It's weird. There's no other place like it in the world. I promise you that. No other place. Yo, a smooth third of my high school,
1: I'd, maybe not the whole high school, but, like, of the popular girls, a smooth third are, like, escorts right now. Yeah. Makes sense. And it's just like a thing. Like, they're just on social media making fun of people who don't sell ass. Like, it's, it's crazy. I, I saw a chick the other day, not to <laughs> digress too much, but like, I saw a chick the other day on my Instagram. And uh, no, it was Facebook because I don't even follow the super ratchetness on Instagram. But it popped up on my Facebook and it was like, I can't believe women go out there and have sex for free. Y'all losing. Sounds about I right. I was like, I was like, what? I was like, yo, we 32 now. Like, what, what are you doing with your life? What? Some you know, time acts. stands still in Vegas. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's the world's oldest profession. I, don't, I mean, what, whatever floats her boat. Vegas is a weird place, though. So, yeah, that definitely has to be the next project from you. Outside of that, though, I figured, you know, plenty of boxing and stuff to talk, to and I'm sure everyone's going to stay for all the crazy Tyson talk we have, but... I felt like starting this show with hip-hop, because usually we do Sundays with hip-hop. We didn't have a Sunday-Monday show, so you know what? I was like, let me sneak in some hip-hop here. And this is just like a general question, but one, I text you, what, two days ago, out of the blue. It had to be like 6 a.m. your time. I didn't even give a shit. But <laughs> I, had just, I had just heard the Toby Inigue single. Well, he has like three singles out, but he just dropped the one with Black Thought and Royce yeah. called... Um, father figure. And Toby's album is gonna be incredible. He doesn't have a miss yet. And Royce's verse comes up, and one I'm blown away. It's just bananas. And we talked about the last show, him getting the Grammy nom and everything. And it made me wonder is Royce the five nine the best rapper alive right now?
2: I don't know, man. That's a good question. He might be. I mean, <sighs> I'm working on like I'm. I have something that I I am trying to work on, uh, with Royce before the Grammy. Well, not even with Royce about Royce before the Grammys because I've never seen anything like this. When you think about hip hop, you think about your first album is usually your best. Your first or second because everything that you've been working on your entire life comes out in that first or second album. Then after that, you're rich and you're fat. And you're full and the hunger's kind of gone. So not to say that the other albums are bad, but until a life changing event happens, you're kind of on cruise control. Royce has reverse engineered a hip hop career. His first album was his worst. And he's gotten progressively better as the years gone along. That's unheard of in hip hop. Plus he's over 40. I think Royce is 42, 43, 42. And he's getting grammy nominated on his is this his eighth or ninth studio album (sighs) gotta be nine i mean if you count from death is certain probably 9 i'm counting them all just solo albums i believe this is his ninth studio album and it's his first grammy nomination you don't really do that it doesn't really happen like that usually you fall off and this isn't counting the bar exam this isn't counting Prime, this isn't counting Slaughterhouse, this isn't counting Bad Meets Evil, which are all projects on their own. These are just solo Mm -hmm. studio albums for a career that's gone on for about 20 years. This is unheard of. So for him to do in the best, and then on top of that, let's look at this part of it. When Royce first started his career, he was an alcoholic. He was cheating on his wife. um, He was getting locked up. He was doing all the things rappers do. (laughs) All the things that rappers do, you know, locked up with proof on the gun charge, um, just doing dumb shit. I didn't meet Royce until about 10 years ago. I interviewed him. He Actually, I think he knows this. He was my first interview that I ever did in 2003. My very first interview that I ever did was with Royce. But since then, his career has gone in a completely different path. And the best material of his life is completely sober, uh, completely monogamous with children, and socially conscious. This shit is fucking bizarre. But he's... I, I just, I've just i never seen another artist do this. I've never seen this. So when we talk about the best rapper alive, he might be. And I don't think he'll ever get, get the credit he deserves. Even if he were to win a Grammy for the allegory, I still don't think people r- really acknowledge his greatness. That man rarely, if ever, misses on a verse like when he shows up who few outshine him he's abused Eminem a few times on a song oh all the time constantly what he did to him on the Bad Meets Evil album is criminal M didn't have one song where he had the better verse not one it's absurd that he is this good at rapping and I joke with him about it I was like you're really fucking good at rapping and he kind of knows it but I'm just like no man like for you to still have things to talk about 20 years in the game is unheard of and uh, I mean I hope he gets the Grammy that would complete that put the cherry on top of the Sunday. but man think about that man like you're in trouble in the beginning of your career you're an alcoholic you are and he's very open about that If anybody, went to jail for a year yeah like if, if anybody read my piece that I did with him for Pitchfork about alcoholism and adultery and how he turned his life around that was like two or three years ago he was very open and candid about all the bullshit he did He's been sober now. What is this going on? Year nine? Eight? Something crazy. Yeah, it's close. But he's done the best rapping of his life. Yet and still, even though he's done the best rapping of his life, I'll go back and listen to songs like Boom, Let's Grow, his numerous guest verses. And I'm just like, yo. Punchline, storytelling, metaphors, um, narrative, just, just him, the way he abuses mics. I can't think, I can think of very few people who are as are as uh, well equipped on every aspect of songwriting as Royce the only thing he doesn't do is write hits like Drake yeah I mean not many people do no Drake Drake is arguably like the greatest hit maker in hip hop history
1: yeah it's hard to be that consistent with hooks and hits like him and Chris Brown are on a different level in terms of just pumping out hits I don't think where it's like almost automatic
2: nobody can touch Drake I'm I'm gonna be honest oh
1: CB is up there no. You put Chris no, Brown on any no, hook in this no, shit. No. No. Yeah. No.
2: No. No. Nope. Absolutely not. No. Nobody's touching Drake. Chris Brown is better than Drake in that regard. No. Yep.
1: Features like are you automatic ki- hits? Chris Kel, Brown Are you kidding me? Are you no, kidding me? No, dead serious. Dead serious.
2: You're telling me that Chris Brown is a better hit maker than Drake? Hands down. You are. Listen, man. And it's not hip hop, so it doesn't count. But yeah, hands down. Even even not hip hop, Drake is a better hit maker than Chris Brown. Drake has more number ones than anybody we're going
1: back to the billboards alright
2: no we don't even have to go back we're talking about like <laughs> you, I mean if you, that's where hits are dictated right billboard yeah I guess I mean you guess sure. I, I,
1: don't know how the, I don't know how the billboard rankings work anymore I'm so just saying yeah. the most listened sure. to songs are courtesy of Drake yeah that's so, I mean I'm not saying Drake is bad I just I, not, you said I know no one just, can challenge that, I don't like, think Chris Brown think Chris can't Brown touch might Chris be
2: Brown one. cannot Touch Drake. Was a ten foot in terms of hit making and consistently making hits, consistently not only just making hits in rap and R and B. He shows up on other people's songs and they sh- and they always go number one. Yeah, I feel like Chris Brown doesn't say anything. No, he doesn't. No, I mean,
1: there's no arguing that Drake doesn't. I mean, you have like ASAP, like you jump on an ASAP track and that shit's number one I'm in just terms saying, of like, Drake. Like, yeah, I mean that's. Everything,
2: everything.
1: What is he?
2: what is Drake touch that he's missed on? (sighs) He's done some shit
1: where I thought it was corny. I'm just
2: saying, hits.
1: It's a hit. Yeah, like I mean, and we're we're going to touch slide is the only hit that I think is fucking atrocious. But at least that came with a dance and it saved him. That That would have been his miss.
2: But TikTok saved him, it. no, no, It's uh-huh. it's every like, dude. One dance. This this God, dude just goes into too, under the yeah. genres, adopts their accent, and then does another hit.
1: Yeah. yeah, that song is horrible, but that shit was a hit. Um, yeah, he hasn't missed on like putting out singles.
2: Nah, he doesn't miss. No, he every doesn't. single is is something crazy. So that's the, that's the only thing that Royce can't do. Because very, 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 very few have that kind of an ability. But when it comes to rapping, a rap, like your favorite rapper's favorite rapper should be Royce 5'9". Yeah, at this point. It should be
1: hands down. And, and Royce is weird because, like, in every interview, he always gives praise to everyone else. Um, like, if I see him in person, I might throw my shoe at him if he says Eminem is better than
2: him one more time. He's never going to say that Eminem's not better than him. He's not. But it's, at this point, he has to know it's not the truth. No, he doesn't. He gives cuz he gives Eminem all the credit in the world. And I mean, when it comes to just rapping,
1: Royce is one of those few. <laughs> he won't say that, but he is. He is one of those few. So, it's weird cuz you know, we get people like you know, Jay at 1.7 best rapper alive, I mean he was at that point. And then Lil Wayne said it, and to me that was debatable when he said it. But a lot of people believed it. And then you go after that, I'm not sure anyone else said it until people said it, maybe about Kendrick, in terms of like pure rapping for a couple years. And then people just stopped saying it. Like it stopped being a claim to fame. You know, like the the number one artist didn't need to be the best rapper alive. Rapping didn't matter as much. Um, In terms of the skill of rapping. So Royce aside, just talking about like hip-hop at this moment this year because i caught like a glimpse i forgot who you were talking to um oh you're on an mma show this week that turned into a hip-hop discussion yes but it made me think top five rap artists of 2020 it's towards the year end we always do these year-end lists who's the top five hip-hop artists of this year specifically. And it's been a weird year, because some people haven't dropped music.
2: Dog, <laughs> uh, i will be thinking about this shit, I don't know, this is like the longest year ever. I tell myself <laughs> every year, in January, I'm gonna make a document and document all the shit that I like. So I can go back and then comprehensively put together a list of my favorite songs and favorite albums. And then in January I always go, I'm gonna remember this shit by the end of the year. And I never do. So here we are at this December and I I don't fucking know like Griselda yeah <laughs> like, I so that's of one them? Of,
1: like I split them so I have Conway at four Benny at three so wow. mine goes Royce um cause again the features are fucking nuts and the album still this year Freddie Gibbs damn who this year I almost forgot Benny, it was, Benny, three, Conway, four, and then five is tough. Five, I want to go Toby because I just found him and I've, like, binged everything. But um, it's still, like, just six tracks from him this year, Which which is tough to put up against people who released full projects. But I would probably have to say, and it's... It's not someone I really enjoy that much, but it's hard not to say Lil Baby wasn't the one of the top five this year. People love his album.
2: Yes, they do. They absolutely do. So I mean
1: objective out. list. <laughs> I gotta put him on there at five.
2: And that I mean, that's fair. I get it. But yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, it's it's been such a weird year that I cannot really think. Like, I, th- I think of albums, right? I think of Alfredo. I think of everything like I made for a Grammy. I think Run the Jewels, which was this year. Um, well, it was Megan Thee
1: Stallion probably should have made my list, too, by the way.
2: Yeah, it just really feels like a Meg year. And I'm not even, like, a big fan like that.
1: but yeah, She's had, like, three viral hits.
2: Yeah, she just doesn't. She can't go away. Like, she's going to continue putting out music. Like, that body joint, like, I don't like it. But, God damn, you can't that get away from horrible. it. That song is horrible. You can't get away from the shit. No, it's everywhere. It's a horrible so, song, but it's everywhere. Yeah, I I can't make a list because all all the shit again, y'all know me. All the shit that I like ain't popping like that. <laughs> it just it ain't happening. Well, this year, this year it is.
1: Yeah, at least I mean, on the yeah.
2: yeah, I guess all the things I like got nominated, so I can't really be mad at that. Um, yeah, I, I threw can't, you a bone this year. Yeah, I guess uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's just a weird fucking year. I can't make sense of it, and I just think of rappers and I. And Royce has always been on my list for one of the best albums of the year, and it it stands. And he consistently obliterates everything that he touches. So he's probably my favorite rapper this year. Everyone else is just whatever. Who do you think is early prediction time? Who do you think runs away with it
1: next year? I'm expecting... Well, Cole, when we saw him in concert, had the new album ready. Probably didn't drop because of the Rona. So we get a Cole project, a Jake project, or Drake, Cole, and probably a Kendrick project all in the same year.
2: Yeah, that's, I mean, man, like I said, Drake doesn't miss. So it could probably easily be his year again. But it really depends on what these guys put out. I can't make a prediction because it's so soon. I need to hear something. Um, it, my problem, well, it'll always be my problem with Drake is, when's he going to have something to say? All this shit happened. You know what Drake is really good at? No, I'm sorry. What Drake is not very good at? Talking about anybody but himself. That's true. <laughs> that, like, I've he's... never heard Drake tell a story through somebody's eyes or about somebody else. Or, like, he talks... Everything is goes through him. When he talks about his family, when he talks about girls, when he talks about no new friends. It's... Everything is centered around him. Yeah. He is
1: the best version of mace possible mace yep like where it comes to being a flashy rapper everything's about you it's very centered on him mace never reached those levels but that is who he would aspire to be it's that same lane where drake is 100 percent mace was like 30 percent but it's in that same that same bracket Drake is just that guy where he doesn't have to go outside of that, doesn't have to tell stories, right? Like, he, he doesn't have to paint these wild, vivid pictures. I mean, I guess sometimes he does, but then he just tries to act like Jamaican or something. He's, he's, like, he's he, I can't wish... tell someone else's story without being fully committed to the gimmick. Yeah, I, listen, man. Like I... Tupac. Like, I you yeah. got to be a gangster to talk gangster shit like you can't just be like I know gangsters no I got to turn
2: myself into a gangster that's drake it it's such an absurd thing well, like I've listened to his music for so long and I go man he can't talk about anything but himself like ever everything he talks about is centered around him through his point of view whereas I listen to Rhapsody, I listen to Royce, I listen to Run the Jewels, like Killer Mike, I listen to Gibbs. And it's just like there's so much more um, content. And Drake just finds new ways to talk about himself. It's kind of incredible. But yeah, that's the only thing that's gonna hold me back. Like Cole could have a big year. I don't know what's gonna what Cole or Kendrick are gonna do next year. Like I can't have I don't have a clue because coming out of the pandemic. Their music, I'm certain, will be a reflection of the times. Oh yeah. Drake's Drake's music is never a reflection of the times. Drake's music is, I'm making hits, (laughs) like that's it. There is nothing. I doubt you don't know what Kendrick has planned next. I don't. It's okay. You don't got to say it. No, I I promise you, I don't. I thought I did. I think I told. No, I probably didn't tell you guys this. Like I (laughs) when I when I heard Reasons album through Top back in February. Um, I had an idea where Kendrick was going and then COVID happened. All that shit can go to hell. Because yeah, Black I, Lives
1: Matter movement happened after that so you can scrap all that shit yeah, I for mean, anyone who's like a conscious style rapper.
2: And, and, and that's this year because you know Black Lives Matter was before that but I know dealing with Kendrick before before To Pimp a Butterfly came out when I was supposed to be on the road with those guys and everything that he had worked on before he went to Africa went to a vault and you'll never hear it. Nobody will ever hear that music because he went to Africa and it changed his life. And to Pimp a Butterfly came out of that. And what what everything he recorded before that is gone. Not even gone. It's like in a vault somewhere, and he's just not going to release it. Like I said in the book, he, there before to Pimp a Butterfly there was three to four albums worth of material. And what came out on um, what the hell was the name of that that, that project? Untitled. What Untitled. Came out, yeah. Yeah. What, and fun fact. And people... it's This is weird. I've said this before. It's kind of my fault that album came out. Because I did the oral history of the Pimple Butterfly. And when I did it, I had so much additional material that I couldn't put in. Because I had a word count from the Grammys. That I went to two Dope Boys and was like... I told Shay, I was like, yo, I got all this news about from Kendrick about this album. And I'll just write up news pieces for you guys. And they were like, alright, cool. And one of the news pieces was Kendrick saying... Because I asked him about some of his performances because he had never put those songs out. I said, well, what are you doing with those? And he was like, I have them, and I'm just not going to put them out. And that was kind of like the story. LeBron James read that story and then went on Twitter and was like, put that shit out and called Top Dog. (laughs) And I got a text later in the day. was like, God damn it. I think we're going to have to put this shit out. So they ended up putting that shit out. Kind of LeBron
1: says it; it gotta happen.
2: Yeah, and it was all because I wrote that story, and I, like we weren't thinking. Me and Kendrick were on the phone for a good like ninety minutes, just talking about everything. And I asked him, I was like, "Well, what happened? to All that shit you recorded before?" And he was like, "I made it for to perform, but it just had no place on the album, so I'm never gonna put it out." And I was like, "Well, could you put it out like a single?" and He's like, "Ah, I'll think about it." And LeBron read that shit, and he was like, "Put that shit out." And LeBron does everything. That guy's amazing. <sighs> Crazy. It, the influence is, is bananas on that. So, yeah, no,
1: nah, that's that's wild. Uh, yeah, it's such a, a weird year for hip-hop, but I feel like next year, especially, you know, Lord willing, vaccine hits, touring picks up again, I think we'll see people more inclined to release these projects. Because releasing them and then sitting in your house really does nothing. Nothing for your pockets. No, not at all. So you might as well take this year as a mulligan. Um, Before we hit the break, Trey, is he... You're on a freeze because you're, like, busy tonight. You haven't seen the news, I don't think.
2: Oh, Russell Russell Westbrook? Westbrook was traded. Yeah. Um, What? To Washington. (laughs) To Washington. Listen, listen. All right. If anybody knows me, I love to shit on the Knicks. I love (laughs) to shit on the Knicks because Knicks fans are ridiculous. And Knicks fans were super excited about the possibility of Westbrook heading there. But I knew that would never be a good fit. So, Knicks fans, you should be happy that you're not absorbing that massive contract. But I feel like this is hell. Bradley Beal and, and Russell Westbrook in the backcourt? I mean, it sounds good in theory, but word? I, I, hey. I don't get it. I don't know what
1: John Wall is at this point. I don't know what how Westbrook does... With Beale. Like, Westbrook can't shoot on the outside, so at least
2: Beale ballast about like that. But are they any better than Harden no. Westbrook just were? No, they're not. I mean, Bradley Beale actually loses a few shots with Westbrook, he loses a few touches. Bradley Beale was having a monster year last year without John Wall. And I don't, yeah, we don't know who John Wall is. And I'm trying to think of the the contract comparison. Wall just got a massive contract, but Westbrook's is like a fucking albatross at this point. Because, look, as much as you like Russell Westbrook, it's about to be over for him. He needs to be the
1: second, third guy on the team, like, at this point. Because, I mean, he is a stat stuffer. Like, the stats are going to be crazy. But to win, he has to be a third guy. And I, I don't know on how we a good team the only way you could get there and this honestly this is the best thing that could happen to him and i'm not sure how the spacing would work on the floor but the team that would give him a chance to win is somehow getting him to milwaukee dude i think he might work with the greek freak because again the pick and roll You can pick and roll with him on the Greek Freak all day and both roll to the basket. And you have three-point shooters on the outside. You don't need four three-point shooters. You really only need, like, three. So they can both take turns driving it to the lane relentlessly.
2: It's weird. Like, I look at Russell Westbrook and James Harden, and I don't think either of them necessarily can make any team better in terms of—
1: Westbrook doesn't make Miami better?
2: That might be a – see, it's Him and Butler are dogs. Yeah, but it's it's like, okay, like James Harden, right? Does James Harden improve – does he drastically improve your opportunity to win? Not as the main option. Because I feel like once you get a a James Harden, he takes away from your centerpieces because he has to be so ball-dominant. This is weird. We're talking about this on a podcast. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it popped up. It's breaking news. But uh, like with Westbrook, like you send him to Miami, and it sounds good in theory, but Miami's, the way they play team defense, the way they play team ball, and Jimmy Butler getting his touches naturally changes with a Russell-Westbrook dynamic. could it work yeah but then it's like what what happens to Bam what happens to Tyler Hero what happens to all the guys that are are flourishing I don't know like I look at Russell Westbrook I'm not saying he can't he goes to a team and they get worse I don't think that happens I think the team gets a little bit better but I don't think he goes anywhere and makes anybody marginally better it's a a weird thing with Westbrook I can't he's got a lot of talent but he's not a great three point shooter Uh, he does a little bit of everything but he's not a great defensive player so where do, you put, where do you put him that makes sense and doesn't take away from other players on the team? It's not like you can't. I mean, you know where you, he could go? Kinda. Yeah. I
1: was going to say that might be the only other. But then, like, who are your three-point shooters? Now? I mean. Now you're, now you're really,
2: really paint dominant. Yeah, no, that's true. And they still don't win, right? Like, they still don't win. <laughs> but I can see won. him going there in a Paul George trade, right? But then Oh, they no, get re- you got to keep Paul you you would think well see i'm curious because again i the i you saw paul george like today interview talked about doc rivers and him like him not being able to do the things that he does right yep you put paul george back with russell westbrook paul george had a great year in okc but now you have kawhi leonard as well and it all sounds good in theory but you can't keep them all because you can't afford them some one of them has to go and it would be paul george it's tough it sucks. Yeah. But, but I mean if you can't
1: win with them, might as well win without them. But West Gave them a Washington? shitload of picks though. Westbrook and Washington? Sounds yeah. stupid. On the in no, the Eastern that's, Conference? That's the trade that was like Chris Paul's trade last year. Where you say Chris Paul's an OKC. That seems dumb. But it's like a one year get your stuff going and they're gonna trade you again next year. To a contender or to a team looking
2: to actually contend and be better, and it's crazy. Like Chris Paul goes OKC, okay, what do they become? Incrementally better. Yeah, unbelievable. No, one, no better. one saw that coming, though. No, I mean, but everybody, everybody knows you play with Chris Paul. You, he's going to make you better. He's one of those players that doesn't get enough credit for making motherfuckers motherfuckers. <laughs> like for real, Tyson I think Chandler Phoenix is
1: about to fight that Tyson <laughs>
2: Chandler wasn't shit. No, and then Chris Paul came and just throwing oops. Dude's almost yeah. dropping a double game with Chris Paul. Watch what yeah. Devin Booker... Watch what... Dude, Aiden? Aiden, yeah. The hell with Devin Booker.
1: He's going to get his anyway. Yeah. Aiden? Going to be a whole different guy.
2: Chris Paul, man. Chris Paul don't get that credit. They don't... They call him and it was like, oh, he can't win the... Dog. Chris... It ain't never... Like, the Clippers' seasons were not Chris Paul's fault. That was injuries. No. Nuked yeah, that was the Clippers. Blake having no knees. Yeah, that nuked the Clippers. If Blake Griffin was healthy... Who knows? And to
1: be fair, I mean Chris Paul should have three rings by now if the trade to the Lakers weren't wasn't vetoed.
2: Good lord. Yes, yeah, that's, that's a whole other conversation. I mean,
1: him, Kobe, and Powell, it's just it's a whole different. We're, we're not even talking about LeBron in LA right now. No, we're not. So, I mean, that's that's a whole different dynamic. But all right, we took up enough time talking basketball on a combat sports podcast. Uh, everyone stay right there. We'll be back after the break. We gotta talk Tyson. And even more importantly, we got to talk Nate Robinson. You guys Mm. stay right there. We'll be right back. All right, we'll get back to the show in a second. But first, 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical and indeed is here to help. All right, we are back, and it's time to talk Tyson versus Roy Jones pay-per-view. We got plenty of other boxing to get to as well, though, so you guys buckle in. This is going to be one hell of a segment because we had the Daniel Jacobs fight. uh, We had Daniel Dubois fighting. We had uh, this weekend Errol Spence versus Danny Garcia that we have to preview, so plenty of boxing to talk about here. But we got to talk about the fight that sold one you know, reportedly, 1.5 million pay-per-views. Ooh, that's a big number. That's not big, big enough number. for you. It's not four, though. It's not It's not four million pay-per-views. Um, mm-hmm. I try to count international pay-per-views. I try to get my hands on some streaming numbers to see if Triller released the data. Dark. I couldn't do it. I, I scratch and claw I'm trying to get towards four. It's not going to happen. I will say, more than 4 million people watched this live. Of course they did. By by hook or by crook? Crook. (laughs) Lots of crooks. Yeah, so, I mean, it was the talk of Saturday night. And uh, outside of me now owing you another brunch. Incredible. Here in the near near future. Uh, For anyone keeping record, I've paid on one brunch. I now owe a steak dinner and one brunch. Yes.
2: Boy, it's going to taste so good.
1: <laughs> oh man, I'm not gonna. That's that's the only bad part of us getting out of this quarantine. Oh man, like, as soon as the Rona dies down, you're gonna be out of the house again, and I gotta
2: pay up on these bets. Y'all, yo, people that have seen me are gonna be like, man, Dre's getting a lot of weight. Yes, eating <laughs> off of kills wallet. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, shout out to the worldwide leader making this all possible. Because if not, my wife would kill me. So, um. Numbers aside, it it did great, right? 1.5, I mean, that shit's beyond Canelo numbers. Yeah. You're getting to, you know, maybe not the top of Floyd, but you're getting to some pretty good. That's McGregor numbers. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this was huge. Yeah, and, like, UFC McGregor numbers, it's one hell of a number for a production where people didn't know exactly how to find it them cutting the deal with normal pay per view helped a ton because it allowed people to buy in a traditional sense and it didn't take long to forget that this is an exhibition (laughs) because the prelim fights look great the way it was filmed was great yes it could have been filmed this way with fans
2: no this okay so i've spent like if anybody knows I was part of the uh, the team over at Fight who was hosting it. Uh, I did the the weigh-in show. I did the uh, the press conference, and I talked extensively about events, the difference between a pay-per-view fight and a pay-per-view event. This was an event, and events are things that go beyond the cat the uh, the hardcore fan and reaches the casuals because people are like oh boxing don't have star power. No 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 no. Boxing does if they treat stars like stars and actually put them on television for people to see them where their reach extends beyond boxing circles. Errol Spence and Danny Garcia won't touch a million pay-per-views this weekend. Why? Because they're not put in places that people care about. Mike Tyson was everywhere. Without like a marketing team or anything else. He's just Mike Tyson. And I I said this in our group chat. People undervalue... like Yes, Mike Tyson was big in the boxing ring. But Mike Tyson's punch-out was such a significant part of our culture as kids growing up that when you grow up, everybody remembers that. There is no boxer today who is a casual commodity outside of like a Floyd Mayweather and a Manny Pacquiao. Because they have nothing, right? Like Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's punch out, he was a cultural icon. Roy Jones should have been a YouTube sensation, but he wasn't. He was kind of ahead of his time. So this mm. entire thing was an event. It felt big. It was about reach. It wasn't about being competitive. It was about reach. And they reached so many people without Mike Tyson doing a ton of interviews, except he was always on social media, you know, doing his hot boxing with Mike Tyson, the little boozy interview, um, the pad work, everything. This was an event. It won't happen again like this. I don't think. Not on this not on this maybe him and Holyfield do really well but I think yeah. the entry surrounding this fight it became an event everybody was at home Thanksgiving weekend um Shay Serrano who's the the if y'all don't know who Shay Serrano is I don't know how but who halfway books and where my book came through Shay Serrano mentioned something that was very um imp- like I didn't think about it he was like people are scared to do things on the holidays but the holiday is the day where you're sitting at home full with nothing else to do. Nobody had anything else to do Saturday night. There was nothing going on. You didn't have to work. You didn't have to do shit. So, if you're sitting there and people are just talking about a Mike Tyson fight, and people, like I said, they don't pre-order shit, they impulse buy. People are impulse buying the fuck out of this. Oh yeah. And and it turned out like you said the production was incredible. This was a great show. And then people were like, we'll talk about Jake Paul in a minute. But the fights were good. This was a home run. This was All better f- than I could have even imagined. This was excellent. Those undercard fights were really good. Yeah. they. This was, remember remember that year, well, that year, last year, when KSI uh, fought um, Logan Paul, yep, the zone card. And they put in Devin Haney in there tough. And I was like, they did him no favors by doing that. Because you can't make a star by giving him a competitive fight on a car that's an event and not a fight. That was an event, Logan Paul versus KSI. Like, Badu Jack did himself a great service by fighting Blake McKinnon, who nobody knows, but Badu Jack killed that man's insides. And that's <laughs> all anybody can remember. And I guarantee you, people walked away from that fight and was like, I want to watch Badu Jack again. And then never heard of him. May have never heard of him. But they did that. Like, they they gave us fights that were... Um, entertaining. They gave us uh like people talked about Israel Adesanya. Pfft, how good was he? Oh, great! Cursing on the broadcast, I love it. Incredible, Sugar Ray Leonard. I have no idea what anybody books him to do anything. I love Sugar Ray, but that man's head <laughs> is on tape delay. I swear to God, like he, it takes him like an hour to get out of thought, and then when he starts saying it, you don't know where it's going. It just no. goes somewhere. And Morrow and Israel Adesanya were just they dominated that broadcast. And then Snoop. Snoop. Snoop was perfect for the spectacle
1: of it. Yes. I don't know who said, yo, send Snoop to the booth. Just for these last two. Just send Snoop
2: to the booth. That was the best decision made all night. Dude. And I saw, like, John Cavanaugh, McGregor's coach, was mad that Snoop was doing commentary. No, this was not a... Like, I don't want to hear the X's and O's about Roy Jones and Mike Tyson. I want to be entertained. And they entertained us. So... The
1: whole event, though, like, people hated the concerts in between every fight. No, it's a fucking event! Yeah, it was like five songs. I was like, yo, I love this. But I guess the music wasn't for everyone. dog. But shit, this shit was for me. Like, I love YG. Again. Whatever.
2: Look, the Super Bowl is an event, right? The Super Bowl is an event that people who don't watch football watch. And they talk about what? The fucking halftime show. There's no halftime show every other week. But... That is what this was. This was an event where people was like, "I know who Mike Tyson is," and then you see a bunch of rappers. and I saw like, you know, a bunch of old white boxing journalists. Like, I don't want to watch this shit. It ain't fucking for you. It ain't for you. This ain't it. Like here for the main event. Yeah, like you're here for the main event. Even still, this ain't for you. This is not for you. This is for a bunch of people who don't watch boxing who want to be entertained. So I know they were clutching their pearls when YG went completely ganged out for his set, but what what do you want like you can't have it, but you can't have boxing be successful but under the old um uh foundational rules like queensberry get the fuck out of here like i just want to have fun like this whole show is about me having fun and i had fun i had fun from top to bottom watching the show this is right up my alley no
1: it's good i mean it's it's something i'm sure Dazone wishes they thought of first (laughs)
2: <laughs> I mean but with, yeah like for real I, I, I promise you like Eddie Hearn was watching that shit going holy shit cause our Logan shit, yeah. Paul KSI fight was huge and people gave a shit about it nobody gave a fuck that shit yeah. was massive for us just and this was fans. bigger I mean to be fair Eddie Hearn kinda started this
1: wave hence we get Jake Paul on the undercard yeah
2: that's a whole other the, conversation
1: the imp- The audience that YouTube boxers, quote unquote, bring is a whole different world. Yes. But we also see Ryan Garcia, who's a real ass boxer, but he's managed to tap into that social media influencer realm where it's just a whole different brand of fan. It's a different brand of consumer where these people spend money. It's not foreign to spend money on social media, people. They all have merch. You know how many times my daughters have asked me for merch of some YouTuber? Shit's through the roof. Exactly. For a stupid shirt here or there, like, to pay to get a Twitch stream, to pay for those stupid upgrades and Fortnite and this game and that game. The new generation is used to upsells. Yes. They're used to this. So what the hell is a $50 pay-per-view to them? Who cares? They're used to supporting the people that they follow as influencers. They buy what they see these people have. They want to do makeup like the women. If they're girls, you know, guys want to play these video games and stream like this or watch this person play. And they're willing to pay, like, real money for it. So seeing a guy like Logan Paul, who to me is kind of on, like, the older end of this generation still be able to drive this traffic and help to the buys of something uh same thing we saw on the zone
2: the subscriptions and everything else they generate money yeah and money talks and they generate eyeballs so this is this is why i mentioned mike tyson's punch out my sports education came through video games like hands down like i watch sports but once I could be able to play video games, like I would play NHL hockey, for instance, yep. and I would play with Blackhawks just because it was from Chicago and I liked the Bulls as a kid, and I played with the Blackhawks. And I was like, who is this guy? Jeremy Ronick Chris Chelios. And I was like, oh, shit. And I liked the sport because of the video game because it was part of pop culture. That's what video games are, pop culture. So everything I learned about sports came through video games because I learned the rules because I had to learn how to play the game. There's no boxing video game right now. And people like, some people like, I want to box a boxing video game. I want it for a different reason. Because if I'm a kid at home and I'm playing online with my friends, um, Floyd Mayweather, not even Floyd Mayweather versus Manny Pacquiao, but you look and it's like the top rated boxer is Canelo. And then you pick uh, Errol Spence Jr. Kids are going to learn who Errol Spence Jr. is because of a video game. And then when he fights, they go, oh shit, I want to I watch him. He's the guy using the video game. That's all important shit. Like these guys are pop culture phenoms. And the the thing is, Jake Paul, as much as he's a clown on the internet, takes boxing for real. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, he
1: has plenty of outside revenue that he can sustain going to the gym every day and training for five hours.
2: Yeah. Like man, I don't know, man. I, I've listened to people all week, like this is a travesty and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, no, man. This is what this podcast is, this is what Tyson uh Jones was it was like a culmination of all the shit that we enjoy the the jokes the the cultural aspect there was actually good competitive fights early but it's not this isn't that's not for hardcores hardcore is very niche in a a Thursday night football game between the motherfucking this the now nah, you want to say the Steelers because they're, they're the weirdest undefeated team ever um <laughs> Like an NFC East game, not, with not, with let's say the Eagles and the fucking Redskins. Cowboys.
1: Yeah, don't mention my team.
2: <laughs> Eagles and the Redskins. That's cool, but the casual fan ain't watching that. The Super Bowl, they're watching that shit. Yep. NBA Finals, everybody knows who LeBron James is, but how many women, children, men who don't like sports have watched LeBron James through 82 games in the NBA season? None. But they watch the playoffs and the Finals. Yep. You just gotta understand what shit makes sense, man. And this this whole card just made sense. So props to Triller because they did the right thing. I don't. They've just announced that Snoop Dogg is now starting a Fight Club, which feels like a complete knee jerk reaction. You can't catch lightning in the bottle twice. I don't want to see Snoop doing commentary every week. Save him for special occasions.
1: I agree. I mean, to me, that f- feels like Dana White's looking for a contender series. Yeah, like it doesn't feel big time. No, to me, like who are you going to get to fight on all of these shows? Like you're not a promoter, so it's going to be legit like backyard fighting. It's going to be a fight club with like no name people. Like it's not going to work. That idea is going to (laughs) last. I mean, as long as Raw Underground. Wow, like (laughs) it's going to be here today, gone tomorrow. So I'm not even paying. Too much attention to that, like yo, whatever, whatever to that idea. Um, Let's talk about the fights, and we'll start with the co-main. <sighs> Poor Nate Robinson. Hey, it's his fault. It was his home going. If, if people don't like, I don't. I feel like a I have to part of our audience knows what that means, but if you do not, when someone passes on, they call it a home going. In certain communities. That's what this was for Nate Robinson. Not only did he get knocked out cold, but he got knocked down three times. He took an ass whooping from the moment the bell rang. It looked like he had never been in a fight in his
2: life. And I can't believe it. That was all I trained him for. Dude, you can't play boxing. I told you Jake Paul was going to knock him out. You said it. And it, but it Because I knew Jake Paul took this very seriously. But on top of that, he's been training for a couple of years. And he's actually been in a fight. He had a couple of fights with headgear on. And then he, the Anson Gibb thing is where I looked at him and I was like, well, I see he's got a good jab. And he, he's patient. Like, he's, he doesn't rush in. Nate Robbins has never been in a boxing match. All all the training you could do in a matter of like five or six months, plus it was a pandemic. So I don't know how much he was really training. All of that doesn't prepare you for when when the bell rings for real. (laughs) All that adrenaline got to him. Yeah. And he ran at him like a spider monkey. And what did I tell you? That whole sticky finger shit, that was this. (laughs) That was this all over again. (laughs) That was this. (laughs) Yo, look, Jake Paul came out there and was sticking with a jab. And then he kept pushing. Like, Nate kept rushing in and Jake was just waiting and waiting. I was like, oh, this is going to end badly. Mm -hmm. And he caught one behind the ear. Nate's never been hit behind the ear before. He doesn't know what that is. Like, he really got hit and was like, what am I doing here? And you could, there was, like, three times where I looked at him, and I was like, he wants out, but he can't quit because he knows Twitter is watching. I mean, the way he went out was worse for Twitter, I would argue. He went out flat,
1: flat on his face. It was the craziest shit since Pacquiao got knocked out by Marquez.
2: They put Simba on his body. I haven't seen that in six years. (laughs) Hey, look, man, there's been so many people that have said, Man, we got to give props to Nate for fighting. Yeah, yeah, cool, cool, cool. But yeah, the, yeah. the reality is, Whatever. I'm going to get these fucking jokes off. Oh, he's going to catch all these
1: jokes. Because, again, like you had said, no one told him to go out there. Nah, he wanted it. He got it. His bad. When you sign on the dotted line, you sign up to be ridiculed. That's what we do. It's just a game. That's, that's, it's a cold game. But that's, that's the world we live in. That is boxing. And man, I, Logan Paul is going to be unbearable because this is just the start for him.: Jake, not Logan, Jake. Oh, excuse me, Jake, I had Logan in my mind because he called out his brother for some reason, because they, they just know how to
2: produce content. But
1: yes. yeah, yeah, I mean, whatever. They're not going to fight. But there's plenty
2: of other people he could fight. I'm interested in seeing him fight Dylan Dennis. I have too, but Dylan at least has grappling. If it, if it was a boxing match, Jake would just beat the shit out of him. No, no, no.
1: It's going to be a boxing oh, match. Jake. I think Jake. Yeah, no. <sighs> In a boxing match, but at least Dylan Danis is a professional fighter of yeah. some sort.
2: He wouldn't have that. If you get some Connor trash
1: talk. Like Connor's not going to fight him, but that brings in some like the Connor shit talking. You get a lot of audience participation. I, I think at least Dylan Danis can take a
2: punch because he's been punched <laughs> for years. That's true. I mean, there's a lot of intrigue, man. And people are going to be upset. Like, I don't want to see these YouTuber fights. Then don't watch this shit. I don't mind it as a co-main. I don't I don't like it, it as a main. No. But I don't I, mind it as a co-main. Dog, I don't give a fuck. Like, for <laughs> real, man. Like, I don't care. Like, look, all the shit that we we talk about this podcast. Like, our podcast is not, like, the number one podcast. There is no boxing podcast that's the number one podcast in the world. Right? Because boxing no. is very niche. And they they, like... They'll occasionally talk about boxing on Undisputed and fucking First Take and every other show. But there is no show that does huge numbers that dedicates themselves to boxing. Why? Because boxing kind of cannibalizes itself with all the world championships and all the other bullshit. So when we have an opportunity for people who don't really watch boxing to watch boxing because of a YouTube star, I don't care. (laughs) Put
1: money in my pockets.
2: Yeah, I'd rather like the sport is still thriving. Like, dude, people like people fighting. That's really simple. It doesn't matter if they're necessarily good at it. But the thing is, it's not like Jake Paul was going out there and they were both windmilling each other. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. You know, he may not be. Dude, that's another thing. People saying this shit about, uh, you know, Nate Robinson never had a fight. I've covered boxing for a long time. You've covered boxing for a long time. How many times have we seen, like, horrible mismatches? I've seen literal cab drivers get fucked up in fights. Oh, I mean, Deontay Wilder's first 17 fights of his career. He fought a lot of bums. And, like, people yeah. being critical about this? Come on, man. Molly them. <laughs> I just <laughs> want to it's be entertained. Like, that's it. I just want to be entertained sometimes. This fight was
1: more entertaining than the Daniel Jacobs fight.
2: Oh, God, please. I'm sorry.
1: Right? Like, I guess we'll talk about that in a little while, like, towards the end of this. But, I mean, it was an entertaining fight. And Nate got all the jokes. You know what's real? When NBA people start roasting you. Yeah. Like, yo, we don't claim him. Yeah. Damn, Nate. Three NBA, what, dunk contest championships, and they got no love for Nate Robinson? No. <sighs> he made it look bad. Got slapped. Oh, man. I love all the memes. Everything was great. I'm surprised you weren't on. I, I, I picked you because I thought you were going to use a sitcom again. Thought you were going to do like some sitcom jokes for this. <laughs> I did. I I, I was I had a keen eye on your timeline. I was like, "What sitcom is he going to?" Everyone was going
2: to Martin, right? And when Martin was underneath the ropes, looking crazy, that was too easy. Yeah, that was too. I couldn't figure one out, and then plus I was editing our blog, so I was like, oh. I was trying to find something." Because I was like, "I when, thought you were going to pull a deep cut." Yeah, I was thinking. I was trying to find one, but I was like, ah, "I can't do it." Because as soon as I saw Martin, I was like, "That's too simple." And everybody used Martin when Adrian Broner got mopped by Marcos Madonna. so. I don't use the same thing twice. So I, I couldn't figure out once I had to get back to Edna. I feel like Fresh Prince might have had a fight
1: seeing the with Will. I feel like Will took an ass whoop at once. I got to go back and watch. But, uh, nah, yeah, I mean, man, the jokes, though. So many jokes, so little time. I. What does Nate do from here? Nothing. That's my question. Nothing. Stay, go away for a while. <laughs> what do you every time you can't drop your kids off at school without shame like your kids are gonna grow up and they'd be like yo shut up before i come to your house and beat your daddy's ass like logan or like jake paul did yes that's every joke hey
2: that's that's the risk of a fight don't make me call jake paul on your daddy like what are those jokes are going to be 20 years deep the best thing he can do is either a disappear or a or b make fun of himself because you can't you can't argue with people. You can't argue with the internet. The internet's undefeated. So you just gotta Always. take the L, keep it moving, because dude, people get their ass whooped. It happens. So <laughs> just deal with it. Uh, it's tough, not in front of uh 1.5 million bots. No,
1: but listen, when you gotta take ass whooping, sometimes it's your time. I don't want to be. I don't want to hear that Floyd Mayweather shit. It's like, oh how how can uh, our community talk about Nate like this, hey. black man? Don't get all the shit you could have said to help prop up black people. And this is when you want to use the, oh, I'm not going to do this to
2: a black man thing. Now, look, man, now you want to be pro community. Fam, get Floyd all the way the fuck out of here with that. As much as Floyd (laughs) has talked about Shane Mosley's nose, as much as Floyd has talked about Oscar De La Hoya, as much as Floyd has talked about everybody he has fought. Now you want to be mature because the NBA player got fucked up. You haven't said shit, like you said, you haven't said shit about the black community at all. You've even criticized Colin Kaepernick for not standing for the national anthem. I don't want to hear shit you got to say about us ridiculing Nate Robinson. The fuck out of here. Come on, man. What a clown move. Clown question, bro. So, yeah, Floyd
1: needs to get the hell out of here with that. Main event-wise, though, Tyson versus Roy Jones. I will say this. Roy did better than I thought. Tyson, I thought, was going to be an animal. I think he came out. He proved that he could still be an animal. To the point where I think he carried Roy in this fight. But Roy made a decent account for himself. Because he was gassed maybe a minute into the second round. Third round. Those body punches completely wore him down.
2: And Tyson just didn't feel like taking his head off. See, I don't think that was the case. I think... Mike looked way better than I thought he would in terms of conditioning and endurance. And Roy let me down. I don't know how Roy was so poorly conditioned for this fight. Mm. Because Roy has been active recently, which kind of also means he has more mileage than Mike. But he was sucking air like the second round. Right. And Mike looks like he has snap on the punches and it looks like it's all still there. I think Mike performed much better than I expected, and Roy let me down. Roy didn't go to the body. Roy clinched a lot. And I know why Roy was clinching, because Mike hates that shit. <laughs> and it usually frustrates Mike, and then gets Mike to empty his gas tank, and then Roy planned to take advantage in the later rounds. He didn't do none of that shit. No, He was tired that of You that when Mike. you're the least conditioned fighter. Th- he just, look, Roy, at a certain point in that fight, clearly was like, I. he was so tired. I couldn't believe how tired Roy was. The man just, fought, like, the last two years, he just won a decision. And he looked fine in his last fight, but that was two years ago. And those two years must have been like 20 to him. Mike looked great heading into the eighth round. Yeah. It makes me wonder if Roy sparred in
1: this camp. Because I, I know he did a lot of, like, bag work. He had the mitts, blah, blah, blah. Tyson bought four sparring partners into camp. And actually did rounds of real fighting. He said when it started, they were beating his ass. But he credits them with where he is now in terms of conditioning. I don't think I saw anything about Roy sparring. Probably not. I mean. and And that's the difference. Because you can, like in football or anything else, you can run drills all day. It's not game shape. So unless you spar,
2: you're not going to get into fighting shape. Yeah, I mean, look, man. I, Mike um, outperformed my wildest expectations. I didn't expect any of this from Mike. I thought 15 years outside of the, the ring, I thought I was worried about his mental health hitting the fight if he got hit in the face one good time. I worried about a lot of things with Mike Tyson. And it sounds weird to say I'm proud of Mike, but I am. Like, because for him to be, like, the, the greatest babyface turn in professional sports history, right, there's been no... side of Ali, no, nah, Ali didn't even really have a baby face turn. Ali was always a baby face, and people treated him like a heel. Mike Tyson was a fucking heel. Oh yeah, that's fair. he bit <laughs> Lennox Lewis. He tried to eat his children. <laughs> like he ate Evander Holyfield's ear. He got in a fight at Dapper Dan's. Uh, you know the, the rape. Still bust that guy's ass like in the ring. Out yeah, Mitch Blood Green. Like Mitch, yeah. he the the whole rape thing, right? Everything, and then you listen to Mike talk about his his life. If anybody's seen the Tyson documentary, like he candidly talks about all the foul shit he did in his life. This man has had the greatest baby face turn. If you would have told me in 1994, Mike Tyson, who was incarcerated on rape charges, and Snoop Dogg, who was on trial for fucking murder, (laughs) would be here in 2020 selling (laughs) 1.5 baby, yo, 1.5 as baby faces. (laughs) Like, in 1994, if you would have told young me in 94, see that guy on trial for murder? Yeah, he's going to have a cooking show. He's going to, like, Uncle Snoop? Really? Mike Tyson, yeah, that guy who looked like he killed killed people with his fist? Yeah, he's like a beloved guy now. Get the fuck out of here. This is amazing. So, yeah, kudos to Mike because I I just enjoyed seeing him happy. Even in the post-fight interview, he was like, why are you worried about him? Why aren't y'all worried about me? I loved everything that Tyson did. It to me, it was like it was a beautiful moment to see him come back to boxing and not be like angry and have fun. It's the greatest babyface turn in history in sports history. You want? Do you want to see it again? Yes, Um, because I think if as long as Mike is having fun, I would not mind seeing him do this again. Yeah, that that's it's really that simple.
1: He didn't take much damage at all. No um neither did i mean i don't know roy's ribs might have been really fucked up i think they were like during the post fight he's like holding both arms like super
2: tucked like protecting his ribs i'm like roy no one's gonna hit you anymore nah man roy didn't expect that either i think roy really thought he was gonna tire mike out and just and win the fight and mike just battered his ribs but it was a draw so he didn't lose hey and
1: that's the other thing like come on people you gotta know when a work is a work I mean, you like, think it's a work? The, the score cards. But they said, like, dude, why are people no, actually those surprised? Score, those cards were predetermined. I wasn't surprised, I, but the cards were at work. Like, you knew, maybe fifth round, you knew what it was coming down to. When the stats are completely different. And then you look, you'd be like, come on, someone scored it six rounds to two for Roy. Come on. It was a work all the way through to get the draw, to make them both feel good, to both have belts. It was work. The only way it wasn't going to be is if Tyson mistakenly hit Roy too hard and Roy went down. But outside of that, like, nah, the fix was in. It was always going to be a draw. But they, they
2: told y'all there was going to be no winner determined. No, I mean, yeah, but people got caught up in a hoopla. But that's what people do. But they, they, they literally told everybody. I thought the
1: WBC, though, would, you know, like, yo, it's, it's four-hour belt. Let's, they literally, let's you know, call it how we
2: see They it. literally told y'all no winner would be announced. Listen, Vinny Pazienza was one of the judges, right? Vinny fucking Pazienza. Vinny Pazienza was a guy who fought Roy Jones in 93 and went an entire round without touching him. So, when Vinny Pazianza looks at Roy Jones against Mike Tyson, he was still in that mode. He was like, that motherfucker ain't better than me. So, he scored like every round for Roy. That, I don't think it was because it's a fix. It was because it's not a for real fucking judge. They were never going to announce a winner. And people that are shocked by this, I was like, I guess you guys didn't read the rules. So, I don't think it was a work. I think... Anybody got worked is like it's like watching pro wrestling and them telling you in a documentary like the outcomes are predetermined. And then it gets to the end, you are like, "I got worked." No, no, motherfucker, they told you. No, nobody was gonna be declared a winner. Nobody won, but we all know Mike won. Shit.
1: Yeah, now of course Mike won.
2: I mean, there's anyone who has
1: two eyes saw that Mike won, but that. This I think was for the sportsmanship. If he does it again and his versus Holyfield, I think it has a very different tone. I see,
2: I don't because they're both old again, and ain't nobody sanctioning that shit. <laughs> like they ain't gonna it'll be another exhibition.
1: No, it'll be an exhibition, but that I mean, when you get in the ring, what are they gonna do? Uh
2: they're gonna swing at each other. I don't know how Vander Holyfield looks now. He
1: looks great, In great shape. I just posted, like, five video swipe carousels on, uh, on the Ringside account. He looks great. I, mean, he, I don't know if he could take a punch. That's what I'm saying.
2: Like, I don't know. He, he could barely put a sentence together. That's kind of sad. Yeah. Vander's been through a lot. So, I don't know. We'll see where it all goes. But this, again, this was a good event that people enjoyed. And they should do it again. And there's other ways. I mean, I still wouldn't mind if Roy Jones wants to do this again. Do it with Anderson Silva. Go ahead. I'm fine with that. Do it. Oh, same card. Yeah. Same card. Give me both
1: of those and throw a YouTuber on it. Jake might be a little too big for that one. But listen, Logan can fight someone again. Yes. KSI can fight somebody. Yeah, KSI. There's plenty of other YouTubers that can go on, you know, the third fighter on that card. So, yeah, I hope we see it again. Um, outside of that, there was, quote, unquote, real boxing on as well over the weekend. The first one, Daniel Jacobs versus Gabe Rosado. We don't got to talk much about it because I mean, it damn near put people
2: to sleep. I'm so embarrassed, man. I got and to then do the scorecards came out. <laughs> Listen, I got to do the, if anybody heard, I did the voiceover for the narration about New York versus Philly, which was exciting because I was like, oh, this is beef. These guys don't really like each other. Daniel Jacobs never really has beef. He's got beef with Gabe. It's New York versus Philly. Gabe always comes to fight. This should be fun. This was the equivalent of the MMA uh, Francis Ngannou-Derek Lewis fight. What the fuck?
1: Yo, listen, man. It was a bunch of staring. But even in the end, the perfect way to tie a bow on it, the announcer mistakenly says, and the winner from Philadelphia. And they're like, oh, oh, from Brooklyn. Daniel J. And Gabe Rosado is already celebrating. It was the Steve Harvey moment. Yes.
2: Ridiculous. I mean, I thought Daniel was going to win 115-113. That's how I scored it. I could have saw. Yeah, I mean, I I thought it was a draw, but I mean.
1: Which would have been fair. Some. Yeah, I could have saw people, you know, throwing it to game too, though.
2: Daniel Jacobs just completely did nothing at the end of that fight. It, he pulled the De La Hoya. It was a. Where he just stopped throwing. It was just a really strange thing. It was like. When the fight was announced, people were critical of Daniel Jacobs because they were like, why are you fighting Gabe Rosado? And Daniel said in my interview and very and quite a few others that he needed a tune-up fight to get his timing right. And when we heard that, we was like, yeah, but he's going to kill Gabe Rosado. And then the, the fight happens. It was like, wow, he really treated this shit like a tune-up fight. He really treated this shit like a sparring session. And for Daniel Jacobs, a guy who fought Canelo, who fought Triple G, who is in a crowded 168-pound division where there are so many different fighters and opportunities... I don't know if it was in his plan maybe he wanted to not look so good because maybe one of them would pick him because i can't figure out why he would not beat up gabe rosado who's there to be beat up that's gabe's job gabe is like the mick foley of boxing he ain't here to win he's here to bring some excitement take a few bumps i i don't understand what daniel jacobs was doing
1: man i i don't know maybe he needed the tune-up fight But now he needs a tune up fight for the tune up fight. Yeah. Like, you know, like this did nothing to push him into the category of, hey, we want to see him in another
2: title fight against a top tier guy. I don't know. I don't know what he was saying. Rosado will get another fight, he'll be an opponent for somebody. Oh, yeah. Gabe looked great coming out of that. Yeah. I don't know where Jacobs really goes from here. Yeah. Give me
1: Gabe versus Berlanga next year. Let's do it. Sure. Puerto Rican Day weekend. Gabe's going to. Berlanga will knock his block off, but Gabe's going to take him
2: deep. Yeah, maybe. That's where the streak ends. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe Berlanga. He stops Gabe in the first. I mean, listen, man. Berlanga, if he were. <laughs> Gabe would- got miles on him, but geez. Yeah, I'm just saying. If Gabe were to get stopped by Berlanga in the first round, you know how good that would look for Berlanga, knowing that Jacobs just went to distance? Oh, impeccable. Yeah. Impeccable. But that really, that's, that's hefty. Gabe takes punishment.
1: Yeah, he does. So that'd be some crazy stuff. I don't know. Berlanga fights on the 12th. He's about to be 17 straight because he's not against a tough opponent. So he's about to run this to 17. I think the record is 18. Maybe Tyson. I have to. I wish I had Sig just handy right now. Um, but yeah, I believe Tyson has a record like 18. But Berlanga's not far off. But if you give him Gabe, that's, that's where it stops. Gabe is too tough for that. But that'd be one hell of a fight. Uh, the other fight from this weekend was Daniel Dubois versus Joe Joyce. Joyce pulling the upset, and Dubois damn near losing an eye. Dubois' eye is completely shut from the sixth round on, and he finally takes a knee in the tenth, and then people
2: say he quits. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand this. The ma- I, I just think the man saved his eye. <laughs> like, Look, I said last week, I didn't think that Joyce was going to win, but I told you he was going to be tough as hell. Yep. And Joyce's jab was extremely sharp. Even though Joyce looked really slow. But that jab yeah, was on point. Super slow. But Dubon looks like he's
1: never moved his head off of the line. Right. Like, like he had no clue how to defend a jab.
2: He, he kept returning his head right to where it was supposed to be for Joyce to hit it. And when somebody breaks your orbital bone and people are like, Ah, oh, you should keep fighting. Fuck out of here. I don't call that quitting. He fought for a long time with that shit. Because that eye looked yep. fucked up. And to tell the man to go another six minutes is tough. Yeah, getting hit by the same punch. He knew what it was. He was like, I can't get out of the way of this shit. I can't even see it coming anymore. Yep. At this
1: point, yeah, you can't see it anymore. You couldn't dodge it when you had two good eyes. Now you got to dodge it like a cyclops? No, like, come on. You're, you're It's telling the man you'll win if you take six more minutes of punishment. These are people who don't know how long six minutes are yeah six minutes feel like an eternity in any type of sport let alone boxing when it's just you another man and his fist hitting you repeatedly on a broken bone your face shattered people like oh just stay in there like i didn't think you know roy mcdonald quit when his nose broke in a million pieces his face quit he had no control yeah like dubois his face quit on him he didn't quit I don't even think that Kell Brook quit against Errol Spence. No. No, your face broke. Like, I'm, I'm out of here. Like, I live to fight another day. was 24. Go get the plate in your face and hope the other one doesn't
2: break. Yeah, come on. Learn how to dodge a jab in the meantime. Yeah, he's got to get that part together. He's young. He's young. Maybe he'll come back. Maybe this destroys his confidence. I don't know. But I, I didn't I call this quit. They'll match him well. Yeah, I just didn't think he quit. Like, people would gave him a lot of shit for quitting. I was like, this isn't... This is yeah, like Julio Cesar Chavez quitting. You know, this, no. this isn't that, no.
1: Yeah, it's not the people quitting against Triple... Or, not Triple G, against uh, Lomachenko, where you're just frustrated because a man hits you and you can't hit him back. Yeah. No, this is literally an injury that you have to throw in the towel for. So, I, I get it. And then this weekend, I mean, another pay-per-view fight. Before we get into a fight, it Spence Danny Garcia... If people do not know. Before we get in a fight, how much does Tyson fighting last weekend hurt this then? Moving this back might have been the worst decision they could have had, because you just had 1.5 million people just spent fifty dollars. Yeah, but I don't
2: think mo like a lot of those 1.5 million, they weren't buying spence and uh, Garcia to begin with. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I I don't think so. And it's you know what's really weird about this fight? It doesn't feel like it's a fight week. No, because I'm still in Tyson hangover. Yeah, you're still... I mean, it's not only just Tyson the hangover. It's Thanksgiving hangover. It's, there's a lot of shit. It's hard to sell pay-per-views after Thanksgiving. Historically, yeah. it's difficult. And for them to do this pay-per-view, and it hasn't felt like... The reason why it doesn't feel like it's fight week is because I hadn't really seen a whole lot about this fight in the last three weeks. And now it's here, and I'm going to watch it because I like Errol Spence, and I think this is a really good fight. But have has is does the casual fan have any reason to care about this fight? No, I mean, you said the casual fan. Yeah, the cat like the casual fan like Tyson Jones were like the casual, casual th-
1: boxing fan. You yeah, know, like not super casual. Yeah, no. the ca- like, I'm talking about casual. The super casual. Didn't care about Fury Wilder, and that was a fucking heavyweight knockout. No, so. The super casuals didn't even turn out for that, which shocked me. They had Super Bowl promotion, and the super casuals didn't turn out. So no, they they aren't. But even the boxing casuals, you know, the the boxing fans who come around for, they say even Tank. I don't know if even they show up. There's too much other stuff going on. Yeah, it's it's a tough sell. Yeah, it's NFL still. And their games are being played on all different types of days. The NBA season's coming up. People pay attention to that. There's there's just so much going on around this fight. You just had Tyson. Canelo's coming back after. For free. And Granted, well, like, yeah, for free. I mean, on the zone. Um, you, you have so much other stuff to choose from that I think this kind of gets lost in a shuffle. And then what does Spence do? Because... You're negotiating a guy like, possibly, Pacquiao, a guy like Crawford. You're not bringing anything to the table with this pay-per-view. This is one of the times where you
2: probably could have fought on free TV. Yes. Everyone else is doing it. Yes. Like, with Tank, you were aiming to establish him as a pay-per-view star. And Tank also has something very special, which is the it factor. I'm not saying Arrow doesn't have that. But you got to go like full speed ahead with promotion. If you're going to sell a pay-per-view like Javante, they kept pushing that narrative and then people bought it. Like the Tia Lomachenko fight should have never been on pay-per-view. And th- what did they do? They said, nah, <laughs> we're going to put this on TV because we need people to see Lo- uh and Lomachenko. People need to see Spence. They need to see him. And to have people spend money on a really good fight, but, it's lacking star power. Like we talked to Danny Garcia today, wasn't a good interview. These guys aren't really selling the fight. I don't, and I don't know how you sell this fight. I'm obviously I'm watching it. Obviously you're watching it, but I can't tell people like, "Yo, you should watch this fight." I don't know how to do it. I'll tell people
1: they should watch this fight. Whether they should buy the like, fight okay. is up to them. Yeah. I believe they should watch the fight. They didn't make the card great underneath it. Who's on the other card? I don't even remember. This is how my brain oh, is right now. Bro, I don't even know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I get paid to cover these things. I couldn't tell you. So I, I, I can't
2: ask a casual to do so. Like, I literally, like, this is, this is how I work. Canelo just added one hell of a co Yes, by the way. Who's Cesar Martinez, who was all Let's action all the time. Title fight. Yes. Incredible. Like, that's, that's how you do it. Like for me, I don't know how other people work, but for me, when Thanksgiving week happens after things like I cut off, like this week was a dead week for me in my head, even though we have this pay-per-view happening in my head, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm still, my Thanksgiving doesn't end until the leftovers are gone. Right. Which is usually six, five days after Thanksgiving was when the, the last piece of pie, all that shit is gone in between all that. I'm like watching movies. I'm not doing anything surrounding my actual job, right? And here we are. It's We're recording the show. For those of you listening, it's Wednesday that we're recording. The fight is on Saturday. My mind is not out of Thanksgiving fog yet. Thanksgiving means football to me. doesn't mean boxing. And we are about, because Billy Joe Saunders also fights, but he's on the zone. And I'm looking at this undercard. Josecito Lopez is fighting Francisco Santana. Who gives a shit? Miguel Flores versus Isaac Avalar. Who gives a shit? Sebastian Fendora versus Habib Ahmed. Not bad. This isn't a card that people are going to... like. This is a one-fight card for a lot of people. Yep. For 70 bucks? And, and, like, yeah, exactly. For 70 bucks, next week, Shakur and Anthony Joshua are both fighting. Right? Shakur... With Berlanga, with Elvis Rodriguez, all on the same card on free TV. Well, for or you, free, yeah, but you know, whatever. But yeah. not for seventy bucks.
1: No, nope. I mean it's on Plus, but it, shit, if they knew Shakur was headlining, it'd be on ESPN. The only reason it's not is because he stepped in as a late
2: replacement for the Rona. Yeah. Anyway, like, and again, to be clear, I love this fight. Spence coming back from that car accident to fight Danny Garcia, former champion. I think it's an excellent fight. I just think boxing did itself. No, not boxing. I guess PBC. I guess. I don't know. They just did themselves no favors with the date of this fight and the promotion. None. But I love the fight. I think this fight is going to be great. It would have been perfect on the 21st, though. Sure.
1: I don't know why they moved it. Mm -hmm. To get fans? Yeah. Yeah. To get a couple fans in the building? Sure. Okay. Bad move. Bad move by them. Um, in the ring, do you think we see the same Errol Spence?
2: Yes. Do you think we see a better Errol Spence? I think we see the same Errol Spence. I don't know if it's going to be mm. better. Um, this, is a good, this is a really good fight for a number of reasons. Uh, Danny's a really good counter puncher. He's very tough. He's got a great chin. But as Danny Garcia's moved up in weight, his punch output has decreased dramatically. He's gone from an offensive-minded fighter to a fighter who relies heavily on counter-punching. That's not what you want to do to beat Errol Spence. You can't wait for Errol Spence to make a mistake because you know what? He doesn't. And for a fighter who's been away uh, with accident injuries and getting back into shape, the only Sean Porter would have gave Errol Spence hell this weekend—absolute hell—because he would have tested his conditioning. He would have tested his chin. He would have done everything that Spence didn't need in this fight. But Danny's going to stand there and let Errol get his timing down, his win down, and wait for Errol to make a mistake. This is the perfect fight for Errol Spence. As good of a fight as it is on paper, Danny doesn't do nearly enough to give Errol a problem. And I think Errol wins this one pretty comfortably. I can see that.
1: I mean, that's what we've seen. That's not prime Errol Spence to me. His last couple of fights, I—I I don't know. I don't know if he's been lazy in training. Like he's hinted towards. Might have flat out said in a couple of interviews this week, I believe, where he's now back to who he was before, taking his weight seriously all the way throughout, not just during camp, making sure that. Mentally, he's in the right state of mind heading into these fights. Physical shape, endurance in the ring is at levels it hasn't been in a long time. And I'm hoping to see a better L. Spence. I'm not worried that his fate's going to hold up and everything because, listen, the man escaped a car crash with a broken jaw and some scratches. Broken jaws happen every day. Finn Balor got a broken jaw, he flipped his car 18 times. So, you look at this, it's just like, the man, I don't think physically is going to break under pressure, under a punch. But, I also need to see him, this is a prime time to
2: come out and stop Danny Garcia. It's tough, man. Danny's never been stopped.
1: Okay, a lot of people have. People have been putting on shows lately.
2: Neil Santa Cruz had never been stopped. Yeah, but Tank had a huge size advantage. It's not the same fight. Like, and here, oh. and here's another thing. When you, Spence is pretty damn big compared to Danny Garcia. He's not. But, <laughs> I'll tell you he's that. He's not, like, but, like... But Garcia's bit
1: at this way. Yeah. I get
2: you. Danny fights here, but, the, again, the other thing is, it's not really... When you say a better Errol Spence, it's... Errol takes what, he, what you give him, and he uses it against you, right? He'll try to turn your aggression against you. Or if you're a counterpuncher, he'll do that better than you, and he'll hit you harder. And he'll use his size. To Danny's credit... Danny doesn't make too many mistakes. And if Danny's not going to force Errol to fight, I don't think we can't see a better Errol Spence unless Errol steps on the gas himself. And it's dangerous because Danny's a really good counterpuncher. But the game plan here is really easy, in my mind. Just outwork Danny Garcia. Because Danny's not going to work a lot. He just doesn't. (sighs) That's a bad recipe to win. It's what Danny does. Danny's a better counterpuncher than most people. Danny lost to Sean Porter. Why? He got outworked. Completely outworked. Yeah. And I mean, and that's what Sean would do. Yeah, that's, what Sean, be- that's why I said a Sean Porter, Errol Spence fight right now would be tough for Errol. A year away from the ring, the car accident, getting your cardio up, because he's going to make you fight. And that's when we found out how good Errol Spence is. I'm not saying Danny Garcia is a bad fighter, I'm just saying he's not busy enough. And yeah. the, the the counter left is a, a great punch for Danny Garcia. But I don't know if he can hurt Errol. Errol's look like, he takes a lot of shit. Like, he can fight. Yeah. A better matchup for Danny would be
1: Terrence Crawford. Just stylistic. Yeah. Because Crawford's there to be hit. So you might catch him with a left. Crawford was rocked in several of his fights. Yeah, Mima. Shakes it off. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, that's that's a guy Danny could probably stand toe-to-toe with and try to catch with something. Errol doesn't leave himself open
2: like that. No, nah, Errol, dog, Errol is as fundamentally sound as it gets, but he hits really hard, and his timing is really good. But timing only matters if somebody's going to be aggressive, and Danny's not aggressive. I think yeah. Errol probably outpoints him, unless Danny is a fool, and it might be to his credit to be a fool, because it could actually work, because we don't know who Errol Spence will be in terms of conditioning for the first four or five rounds. But if if Danny and Angel have a plan to attack, then it could get him fucked up. But if, if he has a sound strategy to attack, that's the only way he can win this fight. He will never win this fight waiting for Errol to make a mistake. Yeah, he doesn't have many avenues to victory. No, nah, it's a tough fight. It's a tough fight. That's just how good Errol is. I know I've said I'm not convinced with Danny numerous times on this show, but he's a really good fighter. Danny's a really good fighter. Errol's just that much yeah. better.
1: I just don't think Danny's the upper echelon, but he is really good really good fighter so uh let's take a break when we come back we got to talk mma before we get out of here and a boxer jumping ship kind of and going to mma so you guys stay tuned we'll be right back We'll get right back to the show in a second, but first, the wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be able to be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads to totals to teams, player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day.
2: Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
1: Alright, just that quick, we are back, and like we said, we're wrapping up with MMA, and Clarissa Shields is tired of sitting on the sidelines, man, and waiting for a fight. It looks like she'll fight a boxing match, defend one of her titles, in January or February, but even then, she doesn't want to wait this long between fights, so she inks a deal with the PFL to make her MMA debut this summer, which... To me, Dre, is shocking, not because she's going over. She's talked about this a lot. It's that she wants to do both. Yeah. Full-time at the same time. I know Serrano wanted to do the same, but I'm not sure if that ever came to fruition. I'm not
2: sure if you can do both. Who's the only one that does that? Heather Hardy? Uh, no, Serrano's done it. She's, she's alternated between boxing and MMA. Okay. So, I, look, there's been so many people that have been critical about this move. Why would she do this? Clarissa Shields is 25 years old. Yep. Um, there is. I take no issue with her wanting to do this. It's, like, it's so weird, right? MMA fighters want to come to boxing for the money, right? But women in boxing want to come to MMA for the money because there's no money in women's boxing. And Claire Shield is obviously just run out of opponents. So to sign a deal with PFL, take some time in training, she's not going to get a tough fight. Um, she learns a little bit of takedowns defense she'll be fine because think about this think about this Holly Holm yep won the UFC championship didn't start training MMA until she was like 28 years old but she did kickboxing yeah but she was still like yeah it's not like she had sprawl and brawl or like yeah Jiu yeah. Clarissa's got time to figure this out because it's not like she's fighting Kayla Harrison first no she's gonna fight the right opponent they're gonna move her slow there's no reason to rush her and she can go back to boxing because you want to why boxing don't pay her enough and i know she's been sitting there on the sidelines look katie taylor's about to have her third fight during the pandemic yeah clarissa's had none she had one right before right, February. yeah but since yep. then she has and then who's she gonna fight in boxing who's left all the jessica mccaskill cecilia breakers uh, all the Katie Taylor, Amanda Serrano, all them can fight each other. And Clarissa's just standing here talking about I'm the GOAT with nobody to fucking fight. I don't know. There's like a middleweight or two out there. I but mean... she'll get them. But let's be honest. I'm not saying, like, Clarissa is that good compared to the rest of the division where she doesn't have to box, like, full time training, six month training camps. She can do some MMA and stay sharp. Yeah, Savannah, Savannah Marshall is probably the only person. She'll fuck Savannah up. Okay, you just asked who it was. I'm just saying. I think she fucks everyone up Exactly. So, why? And she needs to make money. She's a star. Clarissa should be a star, but she needs to be visible and seen. And this is how you keep My only problem is going back and forth. I I don't have a problem with it whatsoever. Can't half step this shit. MMA is not the sport to half step. Dude, she'll get what? She could fight once a year for the next five years in boxing, it should be 30. For the next five years. And she could sharpen the toolbox in MMA. And make money. That's that's tough. I mean, yeah,
1: she's not going to wake up and forget how to box. Boxing is the easier one. So I guess you spend more time on MMA in training. And then just say, I trust my boxing skills. But if you want the huge boxing match, you then have to focus on boxing. Uh I don't know. It's... No, I mean, whenever it comes along. If it comes along in three years, it comes along in three it years. It might never I come Like, if Katie Taylor dares to be great. She needs to jump up a lot of weight. In two years. Because Carissa's not a small girl. No, they got to meet at, like, 154. So, Katie goes up, what, fourteen pounds. It's a lot of weight. It's not. It is. Listen, it is what it is. I'm just saying. Um... You, you wait and you you see you see if there's something there but yeah I, I don't mind MMA but going to MMA full time would have made me feel a little bit more comfortable but she's a good athlete uh, MMA women's MMA is still growing so it's not like she can't find her place within that growth and you know there's a guys like Israel Adesanya like how many times has Adesanya been on the ground
2: not a whole lot people be
1: like people be like oh he, he needs to Train wrestling or jujitsu. We don't even know what that shit looks like yet,
2: because no. no one can get close enough to take him down. I mean, Marvin Vittori took him down. Like he's been taken down, but you know, v- very rarely. Then he gets up and whoops your yeah. ass. So Clarissa, if she learns how to defend the takedown, yep. she'll be fine. Or just survive. If someone takes you down,
1: survive on the ground for two and a half minutes, and then stand back up and whoop they ass. Like here's
2: what's gonna happen. She's gonna have her first PFL fight. You know who she's gonna fight? A striker. Oh yeah, they
1: gotta match her yeah. well. She'll be fine. I mean, and again, in women's MMA, it's not hard to find, you know, people of a skill level to make sure your fighter looks good.
2: Yeah, she'll be fine. I I like the move. I hope she gets paid well. And, yeah, I I took no issue with this when I saw it.
1: I mean, if she enters the tournament and, say, like, Kayla Harrison decides to fight the tournament but at, like, 145... And Clarissa does the tournament at 155. There's a chance she wins the million dollars. It's possible, not this year, but next year. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But I mean, a million dollars would have took forever in box. I know. So I mean, she she could do a mad mad grab and cash out. So I'm not mad at it. To me, she signed with the right promotion. And Victor can't pay her what PFL can pay her in a tournament setting this year or next. You know, she's not doing it this year, but next year even if she's in a tournament setting like. And Victor can't put up that money. The UFC is way too challenging. It's very hard to just cut your teeth in the UFC. To me, this is uh, the the perfect stepping stone. So if, you know, PFL does lose Harrison after this season, then cool. They have a replacement. Yep. And this is a smart way for everyone to get involved. Um, Let's talk about UFC, though. So UFC, we kind of have that, like, you know, oh, I can turn my brain off thing you were talking about earlier. They're like, oh, it's uh, Thanksgiving time. We'll give people a break. And the, the Rona helps that a lot because a lot of shit got canceled. But looking in last weekend, really the only fight to talk about is Anthony Smith versus Devin Clark. Where,
2: lo and behold, Anthony Smith looks good again. Yeah. I can't figure this guy out. That kind of wasn't a tough opponent. Devin Clark was. I told you, like, Devin Clark's not any real threat to Anthony Smith. He's fine. It's just those Glover Teixeira types that <laughs> give him a problem. <laughs> when he gets like top five-ish range. Yeah, that's when it becomes a problem. Like Devin Clark was a striker who said he was going to come in there and knock Anthony Smith's head off. What did Anthony Smith do? Took him down. Triangle. Finished yep. him. Tapped his ass real quick. Easy work. But now he's right in the same predicament
1: again. Where you can give him a Dominic Reyes.
2: I actually, I, like, I really like that fight to be honest with you. But he probably gets Molly by Dominic Reyes. Maybe, maybe not. Reyes got beat by. <laughs> maybe Gianni. not Ray, Reyes. Yeah, I mean Reyes might be a little punch drunk himself. Uh, ego, man. Tell you, man. Ego. When guys lose, some people don't know how to react. Anthony Smith has lost a lot of fights in his career and comes back from them. Could be fine. Just lost two fights. The Glover to fight is the one that everybody looks at because he took a lot of fucking punishment. But he was just in a title fight right before that so we'll see um i'm intrigued like i didn't even think about a reyes smith matchup until you mentioned it now i want to see it yeah i mean i think that's the natural fight for the both of them
1: it's just tough that you know you're you're a guy like smith trying to build confidence but every other fight if you win is a top five opponent yes you're stuck in that cycle
2: in division man what can you do
1: yeah, I mean, but you're also one fight away all the time from a title shot.
2: I mean, yeah, he could win. Like, let's just say Adesanya doesn't fight Jan. Let's just say something happened. Adesanya yeah. doesn't fight Jan. And Anthony, Anthony Smith could literally be fighting for the title in a very winnable fight next year.
1: Yep. Or if you look, say they do Adesanya versus Jan, and the co-main is Reyes versus Anthony Smith. If, if he wins... He's in the main event. Yeah. Like, the next fight, you are automatically the number one contender just that quick. So I mean, that's, that's not a bad position to be in. It's one of those, like, you take your gamble. And I mean, he's been there before. He's earned that title shot already. So he knows what it takes to get there. It's just I I don't know if he can hold up in time, but we're about to see. Um going to this week's fights. Really only two fights to talk about there too. And one is talking about a step up in competition. We have Jamal Hill coming back from a suspension, I think from weed. And uh, well, it was just a no contest. He really didn't get suspended. But they deemed one of his wins a no contest versus OSP. Damn OSP. It's one of those where either Hill's gonna knock his face off or he's going to get Hill on the ground and Hill's going to not know what the fuck just happened yeah. and end up in a Von
2: Flu choke. That's probably the result here. Um, <laughs> it can only go two ways. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm picking OSP to win, but this, man, UFC, listen, UFC is in this weird spot because... Not even a weird spot. It's a self-inflicted spot, but continuing to have super spreader events. And, like, Kevin Holland's supposed to be fighting Jockery this weekend. Gets Rona, they yep. pull him from the card, and when do they book him? The following fucking week. I don't know how this makes any sense. Crazy. Like,
1: I don't think they believe that the Rona, one, has lasting effects on a body. It's- and, two, <laughs> is something any more dangerous than a common cold? Because you look at the same thing. Like, uh, who just got pulled? December 19th. It was uh,
2: dude leon Edwards got the rona
1: leon, leon and it's showing symptoms and bad symptoms bad symptoms damn near borderline hospitalization and he's talking about man get me in there in january i said like, bro you're not gonna be able to train till january 1st what are you doing you you can make weight because this rona is about to have you like 20 pounds lighter
2: yeah it's 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 silly man it's like this these this The reason why Dana White has the contender series is to make sure there are warm bodies that can fight for cheap when other people are pulled for the Rona. I mean, I'm not, I can't argue. I mean, Alex Perez fought on the contender series, and guess what Alex Perez got? A title fight.
1: Yeah, that's quick. I mean, talk about thin division, yeah. but that is quick. Um, but no, I'm taking Hill in this fight. I just really like him. I, I think... He has a good style, at light heavyweight, he's long, he's lanky, uh he's patient, puts good combinations together. I think he's the right type to catch
2: OSP and put the lights out. Huh, maybe. We'll see. I I think OSP gets him to the mat and Or yeah, then his Vaughn yeah. flu choke.
1: Yeah, <laughs> wrap his ass up like a pretzel. Uh, and then in the main event, we're looking at Hermanson, like you just said,
2: versus Vittori now. Hermanson wraps him up. Oh, Quick, fast. Yeah, deals with his but wrestling, again, wrestling. why not
1: just move this back?
2: I, dog, I don't know. I have, I have, I don't get it. I don't understand. Silly. Anyway, <laughs>
1: silly. Yeah, man. That's. I mean, that's pretty much it for MMA this week. Nothing else is going to become clear in this situation. It's just they're dialing down, and it's going to be full steam ahead here in a month to the return of Conor McGregor. But until then, it's kind of light on the schedule. Yeah, and you never know if one of the fights is going to get lighter than it is now because people are dropping off every day like flies. Yep. So we'll see. The cards will be ever changing. That's the fight for this weekend. That is our show for today. It has been fun, man. Talked hip hop, talked Tyson, talked Nate Robinson. A uh, lot of good stuff on this show. It was great having a little break. For the holidays, but we are back like we never left. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at corner podcast underscore at corner club for life on Instagram. You follow me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas hale on all platforms. Please make sure you check out his book, wellversed.net. Is that correct? the Thewellversed.net. Yep. That's where you can cop it. Thewellversed.net. Cop the book. It is well worth your time. He's going to make me reread this thing like four times. And then by the end of it, I'm like, yo, you know what? To Pimp a Butterfly might be a classic. (laughs) That's how you do it. And it would unravel the fabric of this very show. And the hot take that this is all built on. But it's that good of a book. That good of writing. So make sure you guys check that out. Shout out to Blue Wire, the network. Shout out to all of the sponsors. Make sure you check out our other show, Wrestling with Stereotypes. Mm -hmm on adfreeshows.com as well. Support that. Great interviews with professional wrestlers about their journeys and their stories, being minorities in the industry. I'm sure you guys will love that. Thank you for supporting everything that we do. Till next time, though, we're out. Peace. Breaking up is hard to do, but when it comes to your wireless carrier, you should have left a while ago. You deserve
0: better. Xfinity Mobile. Break free from the big three. Get unlimited with 5G included for $30 a month when you get four lines on Xfinity Mobile. Prices may vary and are subject to change. Reduce speeds at 20 gigabytes per line.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts.